You're listening to Solar Insiders, a fortnightly update on the ins and outs of the solar industry and what it means for consumers. With Renew Economy's editor, Giles Parkinson, and leading solar industry veteran, Nigel Morris. Solar Insiders is brought to you by Solar Analytics, suppliers of intelligent solar monitoring, and SunWiz, the creators of the powerful PV cell software. Hello and welcome to this latest episode of Solar Insiders. My name is Giles Parkinson. I'm the editor of One Step Off The Grid and Renew Economy. And joining me is co-host and co-conspirator Nigel Morris from Solar Analytics. What are, we, conspir- what are we conspiring against? We're conspiring against the conspirators. That's what we're oh, doing. What? That's <laughs> anti-conspiracy conspirator. An anti-conspiracy conspirator. Because there's been an awful lot about it recently. And oh. um, look, we've got a lot of... We've got a lot to talk about, um, and um, first, just after admiring your newly acquired deep love song dedication voice, which is something I haven't, don't think we've heard since um, since way back when, when you first bought your wonderful equipment. But um, I've got some stuff. I'm stuck in a. I'm stuck in a hotel room, so stuck you know, in a hotel room. yeah, I'm Damn. just sitting in a hotel room. I'm supposed to be upstairs at a seminar oh, with a bunch you... of great solar installers, which we'll come back to. But yeah. What's yeah. going on in what's going on with politicians and is it the media, Charles? Oh, the bloody Murdoch media. It's just unbelievable. Um, this week, as you may have mentioned or no may have noticed, the front page lead on the Australian newspaper was about the soaring cost of um, solar rooftop solar rebates. Mm. And it was just the biggest lump of crap you've ever seen. It was just mm. extraordinary. We did a big takedown of it, and it's, 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 it is actually quite amazing how well that has actually rated on our website. Um, but it is quite extraordinary. Basically, just you know, I, look, I, I, I can't quite decide whether it's actually sort of incompetence or deliberate. The, um, the author used to work at Bloomberg and seemed to be a reasonably competent wow. person and um, went over to Murdoch and has sort of put on the on the on the Darth Vader helmet and um, um, just just extraordinary. So this story claimed that um, rooftop solar was costing two hundred dollars for every home every year in subsidies, which of course is absolute crap because yeah, we know that's garbage. Well, you take six seconds to Google and you can actually find the graph from the Australian Energy Market Commission, which talks about it being $34 a year, which is six times less than what um, the Murdoch media claimed. And the ACCC, who actually want the rooftop solar subsidy scrapped, actually come up with pretty much the same number. Um, And it's just extraordinary because not only did it appear on the front page of the Australian and they did not correct it when it was pointed out, particularly by us, that it was completely wrong, but it spread to every other Murdoch publication, Mm. every other of their state-based newspapers, all their websites. Mm. The Seven Network picked it up and just quoted it verbatim. The Nine Network picked it up and quoted it verbatim. The Daily Mail Mm. picked it up and quoted it verbatim. Or the various radio shock jocks picked it up and quoted it verbatim. Um, Or the Climate Denier blogs did exactly the same thing which pretty much left only us actually saying um what a lot of nonsense it was and i just want to make the point here that sometimes you know we at one step off the grid and renew economy are sometimes criticized for being sort of advocates as it were and taking an advocacy position in the industry and look that's not really our intention we're actually here to sort of report and analyze um the industry and what's going on in the industry however there's only actually two full-time reporters um, across the two websites. And so we find an awful lot of our time is spent debunking some of the sheer crap which is published in the mainstream media, spoken in Parliament, which is all too often, and mm-hmm. comes out of all sorts of other 
crap. And so that's what we think we have to do. And look, we make no apology for that. And if that actually makes us look more like advocacy um, or advocates people um, than independent, well, whatever analysis, then then so be it. But um, you have to take a strong position because basically people are publishing or in parliament speaking complete and utter crap, sometimes quite intentionally, sometimes because they're just damn stupid. Um, and it needs to be sorted out. And um, that's the end of the epistle. Go, Giles. Go. Go. You just, you just go. You go, mate. I, you know, no, I think I've done my dash. Yeah. <laughs> no, 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 no. There's tons left in you, mate. You're so on the money. And this this is, I mean, this has gone on forever, right? But, you know, what is really... Um, what is, what is really clear here is when you look at what's going on in the States at the moment with uh, the solar pendulum swinging back in favour of solar, we've had big announcements in New South Wales recently um, uh, from both the incumbent party and the opposition. Um, and we've seen big announcements in Victoria. We've seen announcements in Queensland. We've seen announcements in South Australia. And the community loves it. And uh, so what we're clearly seeing here is, is you know, a retaliatory approach. It's that it's the, when, when, and we've seen this over and over again, when solar starts becoming uh, uh, popular um, and when state governments start rolling out support for it and, and being vocal about that support, we almost inevitably and without exception see attacks from... Um, the other side of the of the debate and 99% of the time as you rightly correct and point out so often Giles um, it's based on garbage so you know more power to you mate keep it up well thank you very much Nigel look it's interesting um, um, oh god I completely lost my my, uh, my train of thought then um, it was interesting that um, in response to the Australian story the um, Angus Taylor the energy minister who usually is an author of a lot of this crap actually said something reasonably intelligent which was to say a fact um, which was unusual in itself and just talking about yeah well actually it's quite a minimum cost um, to uh, people's bills and uh, that's interesting because politicians don't go don't dare go there at the moment because it is so popular and it is about the only thing that um, households have as an opportunity to reduce their bills so they're not going to um, do that having said that you do have those state-based schemes, as you mentioned, and it's probably worth just sort of deep jumping into those because Victoria mm. has um, had its scheme, which we've discussed in the past, and mm -hmm. we've talked to the people behind Solar Victoria and some of the issues that they were having actually about managing the scheme. Mm -hmm. We've talked about the effect of, you know, and we had a little bit of a solar coaster happening there. People sort of, you know, the market went down and it went back up again. Yep. Then you had the spivs and the cowboys coming in and you had Solar <laughs> Victoria being spivs. very very proactive to Damn try and spivs. deal with that. <laughs> and I, I guess we can actually probably expect the same sort of thing um, in New South Wales, presuming that Labor does win the election, um, although the, the, the sitting government has its own sort of version of the scheme, it does, which, yeah. is, um, which is a, um, a yeah, is, is, is an interest-free loan or is it just a cheap loan? I can't quite remember now. But, um, but look, um, yes, hopefully that they actually put something in place to want to keep the spivs and cowboys at bay and i just wish i just wish they actually had um something a bit more intelligent about targeting low-income households and the renters and the apartment dwellers because they kind of it seems to me they've kind of missed out on that and and both parties have 
Yeah, indeed. And and, and look, I mean, the, the good thing is we have seen these rebate schemes improve over time, you know, and, and, the, and the effort um, by... Um, various bodies to try and make sure that the spivs and the cowboys are kept out and that, um, um, you know, uh, accurate um, and high-quality data is collected around those schemes and and, and that the reporting is is done well uh, and that uh, uh, genuine outcomes are reached and and as many... um, uh, as many... um, yeah, unintended consequences as possible are, are managed, and you know we have the benefit of hindsight here. It's not we, this is these are not the first schemes, um, so it doesn't take a, a whole lot of effort to look back and say, let's look at the past, what worked, what didn't work, and you know I'm right there with you, Giles. I really encourage the New South Wales um, uh, policy people to have a good hard look at um, uh, what the other states have done, how things have improved and it, it, there is an opportunity here for us to lift these schemes up a notch every time they come in uh, and not to simply proliferate a whole bunch of cheap garbage going onto people's roofs. That is not a good outcome and there are there are technological solutions and policy solutions that can really help. So fingers crossed um, we should get them on Giles, we should get them on and drill them on that. We should get them on, and we should drill them on that. Look, um, before we just sort of move away to some of the other subjects, um, just noting that there was 157 megawatts installed of rooftop solar in January, which is a pretty amazing result for a month that's supposed to be a holiday, and basically confirms your observations in the last episode of this Solar Insiders podcast that um, people were mighty busy over January and um, didn't get a chance to do the normal things they would like to do. Um, and uh, one thing I do mention too, and we're going to write about it in um, in Renew Economy sometime very, very soon, was last October was the uh, first time in, 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 um, in Western Australia the amount of rooftop solar has um, gone above uh, one gigawatt. And wow. um, that's, that's like an isolated grid. So it's now the biggest single form of generation in terms of capacity in the state. Is and last right? o- yeah, right. and last October there was one of those cloudy days, and it was kind of going dancing up all over the damn place. And for the first time, for the first time, the um, the grid operator over there, which is actually a subsidiary of AEMO since they took over the uh, WA people, um, uh, invoked a, um, a direction. So they actually had to sort of call on sort of having capacity at hand to sort of deal with some of those issues. So. Mm-hmm. Um, that's interesting. I mean, that's not a reason to hit it's the panic button, mm. but it is a reason. To, it is just a sign that the uh, the share of rooftop solar is growing. Wind is finally growing there in WA now that they're starting to unblock some of the limits um, of the um, of, of of the grid, which were kind of yeah, imposed. The curtailment limits have been softened. Is that right? I saw that. Well, no, that's in South Australia. Now WA South had a different oh, issue about oh. just sort of actually connecting and getting right of way on the grid and stuff like that. I mean, oh. you know, this all came down from a government, which I, I still I still remember turning up to the opening of the very first utility scale solar farm in in Australia. It was the Greenough River Solar Farm oh, yes. in Geraldton. Yes. And the idiot energy minister at the time made a pretty crude remark about the number of flies were there and um, and how there must be greenies swarming around this new solar project, and then had the stupidity to say, "I hope I never open one of these again." Oh wow! And um, well, he didn't because he was actually sacked about six months later. So, but um, <laughs> so that was a good thing. Um, and as it turns out, um, Western Australia is finally getting a few more solar farms. So they've got the Emu Down Solar Farm now, the Northern Solar Farm, and they've got a couple of bigger projects under underway, including Badge and Garra. So um, it's a great opportunity. It's, I mean, it's a it's a 
yeah, there's no doubt that it's a transition. There's no doubt that it's new. There's no doubt that it's it's you know new territory. But it is a wonderful, wonderful opportunity to actually uh, test in the real world how these things can be managed. And and as we've talked about before, you know, networks and and generation companies and and um, uh, bodies like AEMO and the AER and everyone else, they manage variable load all the time. They manage variable generation all the time. They manage unreliable coal-fired generators that drop offline uh, inconveniently at the time when demand is highest. Uh, they manage all these variables, and there there is not a huge amount of difference, but this is... Um, um, somewhat new and a wonderful real-world opportunity for for them to fine-tune their system. So you know, um, I didn't realise it'd become the biggest. That is something. That is that is world record setting, isn't it? It's just awesome. Yeah, well, they're trying to work out what to do with their really crappy old coal generators at Collie, and um, yeah. and, and um, that's all really about not so much closing down that plant because it's a bit of a useless bit of equipment, but really just trying to find an avenue and a transition for the Collie Shire. Gus and, wants to um, buy you. Angus wants. He's looking for coal generators, right? Is he? Well, he can buy that Collie one then, but right. he might I want to replace. <laughs> He, he might want to. He might, might want to replace the Collie Council because they actually did a they did a tender for solar on the council rooftops last year, and um, they got a tender back and they worked out that actually it would save a significant amount of money. It would reduce their electricity cost by more than half. They'd be able to pass on the savings to all their ratepayers, and they, did, they they ended up voting against it, it because they yep. thought it was a they thought it was a um, a bad signal for the local coal industry. So um, mm. yeah, um, but just just on just on the management of the grid, I do. Mm recommend people tune into the Energy Insiders podcast. Uh, we've just put one up this week and we've had this fascinating interview with um, Angelina uh, Galitova or Galitiva or whatever the correct, correct pronunciation of her name is. She is the vice chair of the independent system operator in California, mm. which is aiming for 100% renewables and her um, the, the discussion we have with her about the transition in California and some of the issues they're dealing with and the useless frigging coal and nuclear plants and the um, the ageing and expensive gas generators and the transition to solar and wind and distributed generation and flexible demand and all sorts of different things is absolutely fascinating. Um, I do recommend that. I can't wait. I, I, I lay awake at night waiting for the next episode to come out, Giles. Well, and also for our, you know, for for our for our listeners, mate. I mean, you know, if they if they if they're stuck in the garden, or the, you know, the, the the dishes are stacking up, or the kids are in detention and they're sitting in the car outside the school waiting for them to be released, um, you know, there's lots what to listen to. Opportunity. No, they, they they are fascinating. I really enjoyed the one with AGL that you did the other day. That was really insightful. Really, really insightful. Was actually got some breaking mm. news about their big battery in Queensland, but mm. um, there you go. Now, look, mm. tell me, take me, to, take me to the next destination. Back onto what we're going to be talking about. What's good solar? Um, what's going Let's on? Let's talk about good solar. Talk There's about good lot. solar. I'm going to switch off the um, um, the, um, the the fan in the, uh, in the in the ceiling, which is creating all this noise. I'm going to be killed for it. So you keep talking. <laughs> I'll be back in a second. <laughs> Well, the good news is there's a, there's a lot to talk about in Good Solar this week. In fact, I'm down in Victoria um, attending the annual um, SEIA, the Solar Ener uh, Energy Installers Association of Victoria annual get-together, which is always great. It's one of those terrific um, smaller events. There's about 50 people, I think, uh, one floor up from me, um, training, learning about products, uh, debating issues, uh, talking about rebate schemes, all those good 
good practical things. Uh, really good grassroots um, uh, event. Uh, no, no pizzazz, no hoo-ha, just good, honest conversations and people, um, you know, taking a little bit of time out to learn. So good on the guys from Sea of Victoria. Um, there'll be another one coming up shortly in Queensland and then one in New South Wales shortly after. There's usually three each year. Um, and, um, yeah, wonderful to be down here seeing some, some old friends and, and meeting some new ones as well. So that's um, that's one good thing around um, good solar that's going on. That you know, it shows that there are people out there really keen to learn and and continue to lift their game. Um, the other one that uh, a couple of CEC announcements uh, came out this week, which were quite interesting, or in the last week. Uh, first one was um, their approved retailer program has been going from strength to strength. We talked about that and how that's become um, a, a, a mandatory or virtual mandatory requirement in some states as a way of the states ensuring that consumers are protected or at least have another layer of protection. It's a great program. It's been running for a long time. Um, but of course, uh, that, that's resulted in a whole lot of growth. Uh, so there's now, um, uh, I think last count was about 140 or maybe 150 approved retailers nationwide. Still a very small percentage, so it's still an elite club, um, but fantastic to see um, that program growing so vigorously. And I also note that um, they've introduced tougher rules, um, particularly around complaints procedures. So um, you know they're dealing um, with their growth and with new members coming in and with with a wider scheme um, by you know, lifting the bar, which is a wonderful thing. That's what we need to continue to do. Um, speaking of the CEC, uh, along with around 20-something other people, I was very um, honoured and fortunate enough to be voted on to the Clean Energy Council's Installer Reference Group last week. Um, the Installer Congratulations, Reference Congratulations, Nigel. Oh, thanks. It's, a, it's, a, it's an honour, a pleasure, especially given that I'm um, lovingly referred to as a suit. Uh, I'm not an installer. I've installed plenty of things, but copped a bit of flack. Um, That's not the first impression I got from you, actually. <laughs> Yeah, <laughs> I'm, I'm sorry gonna, to I'm say. Gonna get, I'm going to get a t-shirt made. Uh, clearly, you know, I'm a suit. <laughs> yes, I'm just suit. That's it. Um, but uh, yeah, the point was made by one or two fairly strong-minded people that you know, hang on, the installer reference group is not called a suit reference group. It's called an installer reference group. What are you doing there? And uh, um, I, I, my reaction was um, initially that I thought I could add some value. I've been around a little bit and um, have installed plenty and done some practical things in my time. So I, I do believe I can add some value. But I also threw my hand up and said, look, uh, if there's an installer out there who uh, who wants to replace me, uh, I'll stand aside. So I've, um, I've put that challenge out there and I'll leave that to the committee to decide. I've uh, bumped into a few members uh, who enthusiastically encouraged me to stay. Uh, they are installers and I've got a lot of support from installers so hopefully I can make a good contribution uh, if I'm not making a good contribution I will get out of the way though I'll put that out there I'm sure you will look and um, look and, and you are chased out of there you know because of something you've done then there's still a future in the solar podcasting mate so. <laughs> that's right <laughs> Um, behind the meter, uh, behind the meter stuff, uh, the seminars continue there. And I, again, I've mentioned that a couple of times. And I encourage people to go along, um, both whether you're an installer or whether you're a suit or whether you're an industry association. And we have a number of industry associations. Behind the meter um, program is all about building the next uh, version of consumer protection programs. It's supported by most of our industry associations, but the numbers have been down. 
I get that, everyone's busy, but if you want a scheme that's better, if you want a scheme that's um, um, uh, representative of your views, then there's only one way to do that, and that's to get involved. So, so get involved. Um, now, what's this about um, a US-based oil company installing flexible solar on its oil tankers, and why yeah. haven't I read that story on my website? Oh, you see, that's because, you know, we don't get to talk <laughs> enough. I'm all about this good stuff for you, Giles. Sprague Energy, you know, one of, there's a lot of little companies in the US uh, doing all sorts of things in the non-renewable space, but really fascinated to read that, you know, they're one of those companies who own, they own tanker sites and refining sites and various other things. Uh, they've got a lot of really, really big tankers and a lovely photo I saw in a, in a story online with all these uh, flexible solar panels glued across the top of it. Um, really interesting story for several reasons. One, the story was actually about the fact that they'd done this as a pilot trial and it's been so successful that they're now going to roll it out across all their tanks. Um, so it's worked, it's been successful, it's been safe, and it's been saving them money. Um, and they want to roll it out across all their sites. So that's a great news story in itself. Secondly, it's a very, very interesting application because if you think about how many oil, those big oil tanks that are out there, they're big. And they've got nice, simple curved roofs and it's pretty straightforward to, to glue the flexible stuff on. Of course, safety is paramount on those sites. Absolutely paramount. And so it's a great demonstration of of the adaptability of solar, um, the adaptability of some of the different technologies within solar, and of course also how safe solar can be. So I thought that was a, a cool example of good solar. Excellent, excellent. And we'll try and get a version of that story onto our website sometime soon. Now, unfortunately, the flip side of good solar um, is crap solar. Now, we'll talk, I know you've got some events to talk about, but we'll talk about the events upcoming at the end of the session. But sure, sure. Um, mm. give me a rundown on crap solar and mm. don't, use term, don't use any of these names you've got down here. <laughs> <laughs> well, okay, so my favourite thing, favorite thing in a day, Giles, is when my phone rings with a number that I don't recognise from an overseas company and I go, well... Well, who could this be? And I pick up the phone, and in this case, as is often the case, I'm being cold-called by a solar lead generation company or an alleged solar company, and it happened to me last week. Um, um, I um, listened to the, the pitch from someone who called. Uh, it came from a German. It came up as a German phone number, interestingly. Um, the person on the end of the phone was clearly not German um, or not of German heritage, being fair. Um, they banged on about with a few simple questions did i have an unshaded roof did i have solar um would i like to save thousands of dollars every month on my bill to which of course i answered um uh, no no and yes and they said great we'd like to set an appointment and i said okay that's terrific i'd like to have someone come through and talk to me about solar do you mind if i just ask a couple of questions so firstly what is the name of your solar company big yes. silent Pause. No response. He put me on pause. Yeah, he put me on pause, spoken to his manager and asked for a business name and then came back and said, a company. Uh, I said, okay, great. Where are you from? He said, oh, we're from Melbourne. Okay, that that explains why you're calling from Germany. Uh, I said, okay, another question. And then he immediately went back into his pitch. When can I set the appointment? When do you want to start saving money? I said, I've got one or two more questions. Could you just, could you tell me how long you've been in business? There's a lot of companies out there. And uh, another silent pause while he asked his manager for a tip. And then he said, oh, about two or three years. He wasn't sure. Said about two or three years. Oh dear. Okay, that's cool. And I said, okay, one last question. Could I ask, do you have all the relevant 
approvals and accreditation and everything else that's in place so that I know I'm going to have a safe installation because I've heard there can be some quality problems. Um, and about two-thirds of the way through my little resp uh, question about that, the phone went click and they simply hung up. Um, of course, you know, I really wanted to do business with these people, so I immediately called them back on the number, and of course the number didn't exist. So, yeah, it's, it's, you know, just absolute scam. And, and, and the, the fascinating thing is to me, Giles, you know, I can, re I can see through this stuff. I can, you know, pick up that it's garbage and it's someone um, just, um, uh, just, trying to, just trying to scam me. Um, but of course, there are some people who don't have the benefit of, of you know, having worked in this industry and understanding that this can happen. And undoubtedly, they get some people across the line. So, you know, as we've said before, if someone cold calls you, particularly from an overseas number, and tries to tries to bludgeon you into uh, an appointment, don't do it. Absolutely. Well, that's a pretty good. Um, that's a pretty good description of you know the, the the questions to ask, and we should put that as some sort of model or something out there. Um, you know, what would Nigel ask? <laughs> sure. sure. And um, yeah, the name and um, name and years, but yeah, mostly the accreditation. Um, yeah. Uh, no, good point. Um, but we did mention Victoria before. There's um, what, what's happening? They've still got some scammers around. The Spivs and the Cowboys are still um, Spivs and the Cowboys. Yep, yep, yep. Um, so there's been more warnings on um, on Victorian scammers out there and um, Solar Victoria to their credit have come out um, you know warning consumers to be very cautious um, particularly around people forcing and, and it's pretty easy to pretty easy to pick someone who's really a little bit scammy it's got that little scammy sort of whiff about them because they're pressure tactics are, are, are consistent and so if you get people who are forcing their way into your homes which happened to an elderly man in victoria recently um, apparently a, a, a door knocker came knocked on the door tried to get them to sign up for solar he told them they wasn't he wasn't interested and the guy literally forced himself inside the house and wouldn't leave until he had a signature from the guy as soon as uh, he, he eventually signed up i believe um, and then immediately called the police and made a complaint um, so yeah you know, um, not all door knockers are bad. I know some companies that do some door knocking stuff and they have very, very careful, diligent programs um, around their sales teams and a lot of training for their sales teams and are not high pressure. So I'm not saying that all door knockers are bad, but as a general rule, um, if people are putting high pressure on you to purchase and to sign on the dotted, right, dotted line right now, don't do it. Absolutely. James, that's pretty dodgy. Yeah, okay, pretty dodgy. Um, one more. One more. So this was a this was an this was it was kind of started out as crap solar and actually turned into good solar, which is awesome. I had a phone call from a good guy um, I know, and he told me a story about how he'd responded to a tender um, on a very high-profile building. Um, um, he actually knew the, the 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 bodies that were involved and had done some work for them previously, and so he said, "Yep, I know what these guys are going to want. They're going to want good quality gear, a high-quality solution, something they can easily understand, something they can." monitor something that they're going to have supported and warranted and everything else and put his tender in he lost the tender sadly he was beaten by someone else um, ultimately it turned out that they'd chosen the cheapest offer because that's what the local government tender requirement biased 
the analysis of the bid towards, sadly. And we see that happen over and over again. He let it go. He had a conversation with them and was expressed his disappointment, but said, look, that's okay. You know, um, I hope it goes okay. And uh, I'd like to uh, stay in touch and hopefully there'll be another opportunity. Um, but I understand you can't win them all. Um, he interestingly then told me a story about the builder who was, um, you know, eight-tenths of the way through the construction and ready for the solar to go on. And the builder rang him and said, listen, I just want to let you know something funny that happened this morning. Uh, the solar was due to go on the roof and um, we were wondering where the crew was. And then a minibus turned up and a bunch of, um, um, you know, non-inconspicuous, um, odd-looking people piled out of their bus and one of them sauntered over and uh, and proclaimed that they were the solar team and they were here to do the solar. Uh, and they had literally put a bus, a minibus on and trucked these guys down from um, the big city, which was about three hours away, and simply dumped them on the site and said, there you go, install the solar. Um, the builder started asking some questions about product and about how they were going to do it and what involvement they'd had in the design process and how they were going to handle some of the intricacies of the building. And these guys just basically said, no, 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 we're just here to install. We don't know anything about the design. We don't know anything about when the product's coming. We just know that we're here to install. Tell us what to install and, and where to install it and we'll go and do that right now. Um, uh, the builder had already had some issues come up where they needed to make some slight tweaks and changes to the decision to the design uh, because of the construction, which happens often on commercial buildings. And these guys were just flummoxed; they couldn't do anything. So the builder rang back our good friend and said, "I've made a terrible mistake." I'm about to turn a busload of tradies around and send them back to Melbourne and cancel the contract. How fast can you come to site and actually do this job properly? I should have gone with you, with you in the first place. So um, in this case, and it doesn't happen very often, but the builder recognised uh, that there had been a terrible mistake made and, um, and sought to make good and actually got a good system on. So good solar can come out of bad solar. It shows that hanging in there sometimes and fighting the good fight does pay. Well, good. Yeah, that's a really interesting story. Yeah, mm. good, good one. Hey, listen, um, we're just about to tail off now with some um, a quick over some some electric vehicle news, and um, just want to focus on e-bikes. And um, just while we're in the uh, business of podcast promotions, um, if you have not listened to um, the latest episode of the Driven Podcast, remembering that the Driven is our electric vehicle focused website and we've got a podcast, a weekly podcast that goes with it. And this week we had Nigel Morris interviewing Dennis Savage, who mm. is the um, sort of, you know, you kind of um, brought him out from undercover because they've been busily working away on a electric motorbike being um, made in Australia. And um, fascinating interview with um, what they're up to and their plans and how they're sort of envisaging the bike. And um, it's a stunning looking machine. It's cool, isn't it? And, 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 and I know you did an interview previous to that with Michelle Nazari from Fonzarelli as well, which I found really fascinating as well. And, you know, I just think it's wonderful that we've got young on these, both these, both Michelle and Dennis are both, you know, way younger than you and I, Giles, way younger. Can't and, believe it. That's not possible. <laughs> and, and bless them, they're out there giving it a crack, um, giving it a real good, hard crack. And, um, you know, all power to them. I, I wish them uh, a huge amount of success. Good on you. Now, what yeah. else is happening in EV news or EV bike news? Yeah, look, um, what's really interesting, I think, and I'm going to keep this really brief, but there are a bunch of announcements about to happen, which we've touched on before. Um, so Lightning Motorcycles in the US are imminently about to announce more details of their bike. They've been trickling that out. 
and it will be a game changer if it comes out. Their specifications are Who's that almost again? two. Sorry, which company? Lightning. Lightning, Lightning motor, Lightning motorcycles. Lightning own a bunch of land speed records. They won Pikes Peak previously. They build the most stunningly gorgeous and mind-bogglingly fast electric hyperbike. But it's an expensive machine. But they are about to launch a low-cost version that's about a quarter of the price. In fact, it will be cheaper than a zero uh, if it comes out with much higher performance levels. So that is that is a game-changer if they get that out. I've mentioned Ducati already. We're waiting for more announcements from them. We've mentioned Harley numerous times. We're waiting for more announcements from them. And in only five days, Zero is also slated to release a new bike, which also looks quite incredible. So um, then, by the time we come to the next podcast, Giles, we'll have big updates on all of those, I hope. Um, which will really change the game. Well, speaking of game changers, um, by the time we have the next podcast, we will probably see the uh, new um, Hyundai Kona um, electric SUV in um, Hyundai or some Hyundai dealerships. That'll be interesting. That's kind of um, the next big thing expected to happen in EVs, not just around $50,000, $55,000, but with a reasonably big battery and great range. And um, if you haven't seen The Driven this week, uh, we've also got a couple of interesting stories. Uh, one particularly about Rivian, which is making this pretty fancy looking ute, which I reckon is going to be the next big thing in electric mm. vehicles. And, and they're talking um, about coming to Australia with that. And thing, talking about coming to Australia. Well, I couldn't think of a better market for utes than, um, oh. than America and, um, and, and, and Australia. Unbelievable. Unbelievable. Yeah. So um, at least I won't have to tell the tradies to shut up as they roar past me on, uh, <laughs> you know, on, on, on the drive into Byron Bay because they'll be nice and quiet. That's right. <laughs> <laughs> and we're maybe going so fast I won't see them. <laughs> <laughs> we might get to see um, one or two of those vehicles that you mentioned at an event that's coming up where we're going to be, right? Well, that's right. The Hastings, um, what's, the, what's the official Hastings name? Macquarie Hastings. Port Macquarie Hastings Sustainability Sustainable Living Event, and we're speaking. That's right. That's right. There's there's um, a bunch of uh, um, speeches and, and debates and stuff that we'll be giving. Um, there's going to be electric vehicles there. Um, there's going to be celebrity gardeners there showing how you can eco-garden. There's going to be solar people there. Um, great um, effort by the local people up in Port Macquarie and, and the Hastings Sustainability Mob to pull this event together. And um, uh, looks like it'll be a really, really fun event. And, and we'll be doing a podcast up there if we're lucky. So that, that should be fun. Yep, and a few electric vehicles, um, courtesy of um, Sally Perini from Zero Mo, the um, sponsor of the Driven podcast, so um, and um, and some other vehicles around too, I think. So yeah, no, that should be um, that should be a good one. That'd be a great well, one. Yeah, no, good one. Okay, and um, the Smart Energy Conference is coming up as well, I think. In Sydney it is at the start of April. So I'm start going straight. Of April. I'm going straight there from my mum's 90th birthday in Canberra and um, oh, driving up the highway and um, birthday, Mrs. Parkinson. Yes. Mrs. P. 90. Mrs. 90. P is going to be 90. Are you going to be 90 as well, Giles? Well, look, it looks like the genes are there, mate. <laughs> That's awesome. I'm just wondering whether I'm still going to be doing my solo podcast at the age of 90. <laughs> The t-shirts, mate. We've got a <laughs> the t-shirt to clear. You will still be here, I suspect. Oh, I'm gonna do, we're, we're gonna we're gonna we're gonna we're gonna aim by the time I'm ninety to sell our second t-shirt. Good. <laughs> no smart energy think, is going to be I, a good one. <laughs> There's uh, the the agenda's uh, looking really good. Lots of interesting speakers um, and the parties. Oh my goodness, the parties around it and the events around it are stacking up already. Is that um, true? 
Oh, yeah. Uh, big Solar Cutters event coming up um, oh. the night before. Um, we've, um, we've tipped in to help sponsor that event to make it even bigger and better along with, um, with another co-sponsor, which we're delighted about. And then, um, can, we, can, we, can, we, can we turn the volume down this time so we can actually hear people speak? I'll, I'll pass that on to the committee. <laughs> Just be useful. We can have a networking yep. event. I mean, and short speeches, I know. we're told. Three-minute speeches, that's it. So less speeches... And uh, more fun. Oh, I just, I just want to be able to hear the person talking next to me. Ah, okay. No, that's yeah. good feedback. Not I too know. noisy. Okay. We're, Look, I'm we're an, for, I, for I, older I, guys. Yeah. I'm for an older guys, it's starting to lose that sort of you know that mid-range frequency and things yeah. like that. So yeah. you know, yeah, okay. You know, okay. I mean, um, you know, I'm, I'm pretty sure a lot of people sort of said last time I was down at the Solar Cutters Conference, we want to advertise with Renew Economy and one step off the grip. I didn't get that bit because they did it in a frequency which I couldn't hear, and the music <laughs> was too loud. So I don't know how much business we missed out on. <laughs> Well, we'll uh, we'll we'll wrap that up for you. We'll wrap that up. Good one. The next event, yeah. Okay. Yeah. Do you know we've forgotten to we've forgotten to thank the sponsors, um, so um, Solar Analytics and uh, PV Cell, and uh, from Sunwiz, um, who Warwick has his own special event happening this weekend. So um, oh, he does. good congrats. on you, Warwick. Yeah, he congrats, does. Congrats Warwick. To Warwick. Yes, mm. yes, absolutely. So um, thanks to to them, and don't forget to check out their. Um, Produce and look, I mean, look, I know they're a sponsor, but I, I was just talking to someone the other day um, who's had solar and battery installed, and he was just going, I just don't know how it's working and stuff like that. I can't work it out. And I said, for goodness sake, why haven't you got a monitoring advice in your damn system? I said, I'll, I'll organise and try and get one for you. Um, and um, they should be mandatory. They should Cause be. Unbelievable, unbelievable. But good to see that, um, you know... Can't drive a car without gauges, Giles. You can't drive a car without gauges, and the solar system is no different, especially if you've got a battery involved. You need to know what's going on. Absolutely, and I can't believe that those things are being sold and not being installed, but there you go. Mate... Spivs. Well, this isn't a spiv in this case, no. This is actually a good bloke, but he just didn't put in a... um, a, um, a thing. monitoring system. Didn't understand... A monitoring system. Mm, Yeah, yeah. I know, I know. We'll fix that. I'll, I'll talk to you afterwards, mate talk to me afterwards we're trailing off Nigel thank you thanks to our sponsors thanks to all the listeners we'll be back again in a couple of weeks and don't forget to check out the um, other podcasts that we mentioned the Driven and Energy Insiders and um, thanks for living sorry thanks for listening I hope the kids are out of detention I hope the washing's done I hope the gardening's finished (laughs) bye for now Solar Insiders was brought to you by Solar Analytics, designers and suppliers of smart solar monitoring. Visit solaranalytics.com.au, get empowered and make the most of your home energy. Solar Insiders was also brought to you by SunWiz, the creators of PV Cell software, powerful technology for solar sales and design. With free high definition rooftop imagery in every PV Cell plan, retailers can stay ahead of the competition. Visit sunwiz.com.au, Australia's leading solar software.